This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. kids you like pro wrestling we like pro wrestling too this is shake them ropes i am uh fresh out of the hospital jeff hawkins he is the not hospitalized chris novembrino you have no way of knowing that well i think you probably would have told me <laughs> i don't need to tell you everything okay. it's, it's presumptuous to assume that i need to disclose my hospitalization <laughs> status i could be very for all you know right I've now tried to get, i've tried to get you admitted on I, I i i could be hospitalized during or after this show <laughs> or currently yeah prior to because you would try to want to be on this <laughs> I, I saw the the heartfelt reach outs and I already know that I would never get anything remotely approximating that Hawkins so I have no need to go into a hospitalization stunt oh, uh, me... people would say well at least there won't be any more Lucha of the Hidden Temple <laughs> no let me uh go into that a bit uh I, I I really do appreciate the number of well-wishers throughout the wrestling uh community workers etc uh who gave me well wishes and uh people who did things for me above and beyond that they probably should never have done to be honest with you but um yeah, yeah it, it was it was truly touch like people at fight game got me a cameo from tully blanchard that was very very nice uh chris chris of course uh wrote a song mocking me and and also <laughs> plugged his patreon in response to a message of mine which which i'm like that's completely on brand and i appreciate it nevertheless as a good laugh uh, <laughs> so yes don't worry dot tv <laughs> for Christmas it's a great patreon. it's a really great patreon yeah <laughs> patreon.com slash dwatg great stuff going on there all the time i will splice that song in here probably right here hey man uh i just wanted to drop you a line here i know we chatted a little bit earlier i just wanted to send along a little message and just hope that you're on the mend and you're covering. Uh, I'm over here and I'm practicing guitar right now. Actually, I uh, just played around with uh, some pedal settings here. I got, got something kind of interesting, a little Hammond B3 organ. One, two, three. And like I wrote you a little something here. Here, uh, it sounds like the Hammond B3. And yes, uh, truly, uh, truly some, some wonderful people 
uh, behind the scenes, giving me well wishes and telling me to do well. Uh, I, I got out the same day. Felt very good. Did not have a lot of pain. Did not have to wear a catheter, which is which shocked me because everybody was telling me I'm going to have to wear one of these for at least two weeks. And I don't. So I am under the assumption that things went well. Uh, the thing is, I didn't get to talk to either the surgeon or any of the attending nurses after the surgery. I just got put in short stay and let out. And uh, Chris, I will I will tell this story because this was this was me having to play the straight man in my own life at, at times. I'm sitting there. I'm, I'm recovering. I'm feeling pretty good. Um, but I, I had asked about painkillers and stuff uh, before surgery. And they said, yeah, we'll get you know, we'll get your prescription, et cetera, et cetera, in case you need it. Et cetera. But they tell you on every single form before you go into a hospital uh, to not bring cash with you, you know, because you're going to be out for a while. People may come steal your stuff, you know, whatever. But <laughs> the nurse goes, yeah, I just got a call from the pharmacy. Uh, it's going to be 66 cents for your painkillers. Do you have any money on you? <laughs> and I'm like, is this Spirit Airlines I'm flying all of a sudden where they're trying to charge me for stuff while I'm actually, I'm, I'm in bed. I have a catheter in me. I'm, 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 I'm like, I just got out of surgery. They're asking me for if I have like a buck to give for painkillers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then i go i go okay well we'll handle it on the way out i'm like okay that's fine i still don't have any cash i'll pay with my card i go down they have one of those old school credit card readers that still probably uses a dial-in line and you have to pay like oh, oh i thought 50. they actually had i thought they had like the ones that used to press onto the paper you remember those yes yes oh the slide ones yeah yeah but yeah, no the but old those, see, those slide were free. Ones. the carbon copy ones are free these you actually have to pay for each credit card transaction so they said well the amount you're paying for the transaction isn't even as much as the bills we're just gonna write it off or i'm probably gonna get charged like 200 bucks for like a bunch of hydrocodone <laughs> cost 66 cents in there but because i didn't have a one dollar bill on me it's just gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be upcharged by our but because my insurance will pay for it or something like that i just i just i laughed i'm like really you're gonna try and charge me 66 cents right now is i just putting it on my bar tab or whatever <laughs> I mean, like this story is yet another amazing <laughs> testimonial to the insane lack of cost control and oh, price yeah. control in the medical industry. Price, price, no, price control would be the, what you see every time, you know, you go to the emergency room and they charge you like 800 bucks for a couple of aspirin. At least I was like 66 cents for this stuff. Oh, good. I'm getting off cheap here. <laughs> No, I it, it just it always is stunning to me. You hear these stories and it's like such a glaring, obvious, basic fix. Like, here's a crazy idea. What if the cost of aspirin cost what an aspirin cost instead of eight hundred dollars <laughs> for the administration of aspirin? I, I don't I don't know. Call me a dreamer, but I envision a world where it just costs what it costs. No, the, the other thing was, of course, the cautionary tales of of urinating post uh, post this operation, because it was like, well, we filled you with these chemicals and, and it's like, OK, great. But if it comes into contact with your skin or your clothes, you need to burn them. You need to burn your clothes. You need to 
flush your thing with hot water. You know, make sure you flush your toilet four times because it can eat through the enamel of your toilet. I'm like, am I going to be a super villain after all this? Because this scares the crap out of me right now. That is that is stunning. <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's sort of like especially when you kind of think about like how you'd have to go about doing your villainy it seems yeah. relatively impractical you know walking into public locations and threatening but people you know <laughs> you don't you don't want to see these chemicals you don't want you don't even want to see how this these chemicals are going to get on you buddy like they, they were really like nervous i'm like oh my god what you but i guess uh you know it, what they did is, is it's a uh it's a it's a treatment for tuberculosis they basically filled my uh bladder with tuberculosis to kill off the cancer which is like oh i'm doc holiday now i'm awesome but uh yeah no uh i am doing but <laughs> cliff notes too long didn't read version doing well not in a lot of pain some discomfort but doing much better than i ever thought i had a right to be and thank everybody for reaching out via either twitter or uh dm and and even chris for uh checking in on me and seeing how i was doing that was uh very nice of him uh in his uh <laughs> in his own way caring about me <laughs> It's the only way I know how. I know. Okay, so let's talk some graphs to get my mind off of things, shall we? Uh, Wall Street Journal on Friday reporting that Vince McMahon has paid $12 million over the past 16 years to quote-unquote suppress allegations of sexual misconduct and infidelity, an amount far larger than previously known. The $12 million was paid to four women who were formerly affiliated with WWE, including the former paralegal McMahon had an affair with, which was the center of the Wall Street Journal story broke last month. Wall Street Journal first reported in June that McMahon was under investigation by the WWE Board of Directors over that $3 million pact, but the largest uncovered sum of paid out was a $7.5 million settlement to a former WWE wrestler who claimed that McMahon, quote, coerced her into giving him oral sex and then demoted her and ultimately declined to renew her contract in 2005 after she resisted further sexual encounters, according to people familiar with the matter, unquote. The wrestler and attorney approached McMahon in 2018 and negotiated the $7.5 million payment, quote unquote, in return for her silence. The stock has not taken a massive hit as yet, Chris. Vince McMahon still in charge of creative. Uh, well, that's a that's a real interesting situation, yeah. right? Because it's like if I was an investor and in full disclosure, I am not holding any WWE stock or any oh, positions on WWE right now. If I was an investor, I'd be deeply worried that you're looking at CEO change and CEO change typically is very bad for yes. a stock. Yes, it is. Uh, Fightful Select reporting that when Vince went on to SmackDown uh, last week, coming back through the stage, uh, yelled F him in, in return to the uh, positive, uh, positive response to him. I, I would guess that would be uh, to the allegations more than the people cheering him on type of a thing. He is still in charge of creative day to day on TV. Uh, we're being told that life kind of goes on, but you kind of do it under the cloud of, yeah, there's stuff going on. You don't really want to tick off the boss type of a thing. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I gotta think. <laughs> I, I, I don't see how he survives this, Chris. I just don't. But then again, I'm also one of those people who who thinks logically about such things and not not that because I'm sure he's going to be very defiant about this. 
Yeah, right. I, I, I'm, I'm with you. Part of my brain goes, I don't see how he survives this. And the other part of my brain goes, yes. But Chris, think about how many different times over even just the last five years you have seen people in any number of different situations and high profiles get themselves into situations that you would think would bring their tenure wherever they're at to an end and it, it doesn't um yes there's like the donald sterling sort of examples um but those are more uh, interestingly and almost unfortunately the exceptional cases whereas it does seem generally speaking um when people are powerful enough they are able to hang on in scenarios that would bring down people who are not powerful enough well, um, the, the sterling, rest of the sterling thing is you had other owners who could exert pressure and actually take the power away from donald sterling vince still holds the majority of voting stock in the company he has two family members on the board and a very close ally i believe in nick khan it would <laughs> And it would seem that the wagons have circled. So it would seem that Vince is at least preparing for a siege. Will he be able to survive? From I don't who, know. Though? That's what I don't know. Is I don't it from know. the rest of the board? Is it from his family? Because I don't know. I think he could survive any of that if he truly wanted to. But if it, but if he sees that the company is going to go down, if he stays, I think he would relent and he would abdicate. It, but he'd still probably ask for a shadow position so that nobody knew he was he was going to be there or whatever but um a related story i'll, I'll put this out there per wwe's uh, 8k form connor shell resigned from his role on the board of directors due to quote increased slate of responsibilities resulting from his new expanded role at a newly formed north road company a global multi-genre content studio he and bill simmons were the guys who basically came up with the 30 for 30 over at espn the very popular documentary series over there and as, as another related note to that, the uh, the Netflix show, according to Denise Salcedo, who does shows for both Fightful and F4W, uh, she spoke to somebody at Netflix who said that the uh, the, peop the people versus Vince McMahon or the U.S. versus Vince McMahon, the, uh, the, the documentary they were working on over there at Netflix is now uh, dead in the water because of this entire uh, thing. So you do see a little bit of movement. You see and that you could see this maybe rippling if it affected network deals. If, that, yeah, that that yes. would that that would and it's getting to be that point almost, I believe, as well, that it's almost time to renegotiate the. Uh... Yes. And so that's where I don't know, maybe the rubber hits the road on this, but just like social pressure, boo, you're a bad guy or, you know, like <laughs> that sort of thing. I don't think it's going to do it. Uh, I mean, it, it should. Um, I think the you know, the world would be a better place if people who spend literally millions of dollars to make sexual harassment problems go away, uh, lose power. Um, and, and we're not in, you know, we're not powerful people. Like after you have an episode like that, you sort of have to disappear. That'd be fantastic, but we don't like live in that world. So I, I sort of envision McMahon hanging on uh, unless like the bad news stories from like major news outlets continues or like if this somehow became like evening news talk fodder all or something like that um it, the story's not quite big enough yet to um be fatal on a media level for McMahon and I, I think right. that's what's keep that's what's helping him right now
this is more on the rumor innuendo part, but it's still fairly newsworthy. So I decided to add it onto our rundown. Uh, both Sasha Banks and Naomi are reportedly off the internal WWE roster uh, at this time. And both have changed their social media biographies to read professional wrestler and have wiped all WWE branding off of it. Now there's been no official announcement that either have been released. Um, and there's been no indication on their parts speaking out about anything going on behind the scenes. I, I, I just bring that up out of general interest. There's still rumors that they were actually released behind the scenes, but I don't know for a fact about any of this. Um, Sasha Banks, we've said here on this show, and I'm going to reiterate again, if she jumps to AEW, that is a game changer. Especially with Naomi at the same time. I think the Sasha Banks, Naomi one, two appearance on AEW. Um, Sasha is going to be the major driver there, but having Naomi there too, who people have long felt has not gotten great presentation on WWE television. I I think it's going to be, it it would be an important weight distribution event between WWE and AEW. I'm not going to say like a game changer. I don't want to even necessarily go that far per se, but important and something you could easily see being like uh, another brick in the wall eventually when when w if wwe is looking back five years from now and going why are we losing in the ratings to aew sasha banks jumping ship i could definitely see being an important historical factor there can i actually report some new japan news here because i want your take on this uh rocky romero did an interview and teased the idea of a u.s pay-per-view show in october He noted it wasn't finalized, but what they are working on is a late October show, likely on October 22nd or October 29th at the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York. He also said New Japan has backed off trying to run Madison Square Garden. They were planning on running it in 2020 before COVID. Uh, That's the end of of that, that snippet, but I would say this. Their popularity has faded quite a bit since since the COVID times but I, I bring this up for this this question chris because I, I i'm genuinely curious as somebody who's not as deep in the bubble necessarily as i am you are still firmly in the bubble but not deep in the bubble necessarily D- does new japan running shows in the states or trying to get a, a handle on some corner of the american market in some way no matter how small does that at all diminish the importance of semi-regular forbidden door shows with AEW or does that help them in a way even if say the new Japan because the new Japan of of America shows have always kind of been heavy on the gaijin side of the talent versus the Japanese side of the talent yeah I I think Devil's in the details here. My gut says it tends to help them because okay. New Japan's relevancy, in my opinion, only has up to go from where it's currently at. They're more popular than either of us thought based on the pay-per-view sales. So that, I mean, that's still worth noting. So maybe the sales for the Hammerstein Ballroom show are better than we think. Uh, I'm certainly tempering, or I, I've now changed my expectations based off of past performance. But... Uh, I think what would really help New Japan here to really make the Forbidden Door shows interesting is using 
the other America shows to launch the America AEW angles so that they've got essentially angles and stories that they are telling at these forbidden door shows that that, that are not year round angles. They're just essentially seasonal angles that get picked up. New chapters get written in them every time they have these forbidden door shows. But I think these forbidden door shows will be helped by feeling more narratively special. Um, and if they can do that, then uh, the, they will only improve in terms of performance, I would say. Okay. Talent moves. Uh, Alan Angels, late of AEW, appeared on Impact this past Thursday, facing uh, Speedball Bailey in a very good match. Kushida also now uh, with Impact as well. And your girl, Killer Kelly, rumored to be coming in to help supplement that women's division, which is an outstanding women's division as well, Chris. Except, always excited to see Killer Kelly back on uh, the wrestling screen here. Um, you know, and Kushida, I think, is going to get to at least have the type of matches that will make Kushida shine on Impact. You, and, you're, you're, I'm thinking that there's at least one Ultimate X in Kushida here still left for him. Oh, I agree. I agree. <laughs> yeah, and I think, I, you know, and, and, and Speedball Bailey's, ha- I mean, other than Dax Harwood. I think I think nobody's having a better year this year than Speedball in terms of going to various promotions and having great matches. Now that he can work in the states again, he had to uh, he he got the slap on the wrist for uh, coming into America without a work visa and uh, and working here. But uh, he is uh, he's having himself a hell of a year this year. On the could she just put himself in a position where he could like be a most improved player sort of candidate? Uh, you know, like, obviously it's not because he's like learning how to wrestle better. It's just that he's in such a favorable situation for him, like, like being on a bad team where you're not really being utilized. Well, I mean, his run in WWE was baffling. Uh, it's baffling to look back on that. That was more of a, I I think that was always more of a, well, I think, (laughs) I think it was more of a signing to, to have somebody than need somebody type of a thing. Have a plan for somebody. Yeah. Have somebody versus have a plan for that person. Um, I mean, that was in the era where they wanted the every pay-per-view. We have a big signing Mm -hmm. and having Kushida sitting out there in the audience is the first time we were kind of like, huh? Okay. Interesting. We'll see what they do with him. A couple of injury notes uh, to give. Kofi Kingston gave an interview about Big E and he says uh, the latest update from his neck was that his C1 wasn't ossifying and that's producing bone. So they're going to take some CAT scans. Uh, maybe I think six months and also a year just to see. But other than that, he's been able to come out of the brace. I think he came out of the brace earlier this month and he's able to travel, which is both good and bad news for anybody who wanted to see Biggie in the ring again. But at least, at least he doesn't have to wear a brace for now. Also, Ubushi printed a, uh, g- gave an update via Twitter. This is a rough translation of it, but uh, sadly, my shoulder injury is getting worse. I have done my rehab according to the instructions and guidance of my doctors and trainers too. I'm not risking anything this at this time. Uh, my shoulder won't move at all. So I probably overdid it for many years. However, physically it's been eight months and I still can't do a single push-up. So I'm making a calm decision. I'll say it again and again, but I'm not giving up. Any thoughts on either of those, Chris? Man, uh, Abushi might be on his way to shoulder replacement surgery, which I would suspect would put him out for 18 to 24 months if he needs to. If his shoulder's as bad as he's saying, if it and he has not been able to get improvement in eight months, 
he is looking at a rather major second procedure going in there to uh, address that ball and socket joint. Um, and that may well be the end of it because uh, then you'd have a lot of rehabilitation. You got to kind of build up the arm again. You, know, you got to be balanced out. Don't want to be looking like late era Paul Orndorff out there. Yeah. Yeah. I am leaning towards uh, if this is real, because I still have to give a modicum of, I think Abushi really wants to be cut from New Japan and wants to leave New Japan. Oh, um, so you, this could be a lost his smile I, sort of I, shoulder injury. I am, I am just, look, I am just going into this with some uh, healthy. I can go either way. Let's put it that way. If it is real, uh, Abushi is older than you think he is. I believe he's 40 now. Uh, he might just be 39. Don't quote me on that, but he is, he is older than, People think, even though he is very young looking and his family has money, he does not need wrestling at all. Uh, he does this for fun. I could see, I could see this being the end of the end of the road, especially if it's just like, Hey, you know what? I'm kind of done with this whole beat myself up for money type thing and, and just going away. So yeah, I'm very sad about that. I'm even more upset about the big E thing. I, I think, uh, look, his, his singles run was, was dreadful. I think we can all, agree on that um i like the new day um i like woods and kofi together i like them better as a trio to be honest with you i i'm very sad about that um but at the same time this was i mean having watched that injury i think we should all give a moment of thanks that hey he's out of a brace right now and he's healing on his own if we never see Big E wrestle again while we'll be upset about that he will be walking away from it, hopefully without permanent damage to himself and be able to live a life walking and not in a wheelchair. Thank God. Yeah. And the guy is a dude with diverse interests, uh, has a big personality, could easily transition into an acting career. Uh, obviously is interested in video games and that sort of thing could you know, have great success online in the streaming community for sure. Uh, you know, if he got competitive in any video game, he would be an instant streaming celebrity. Uh, everyone would love to watch Big E play Mortal Kombat or whatever game he was like, you know, I, no, for real, right? No, like, if you've yeah. seen him on Up, Up, Down, Down, especially in like the Madden tournaments and stuff, he's fantastic on those. Yeah, right. He, he, he's got a, a personality that will immediately transition to either the streaming screen or bigger screens. Um, yeah, no, I, he's got a lot of options for him The You know, he can do so many things other than wrestle. I know we're like disappointed about how his wrestling career didn't go anywhere near as well as we thought it would, but like the guy, if he never comes back and wrestles again, uh, in this wrestling career established that he's got a big enough personality has, it, it seems been, you know, fairly wise with his money. Um, and has established other career and revenue streams for himself. So he's he's fabulously positioned for the rest of his life as well. A couple of quick ratings things. AEW, close to a million uh, this, this week. Not as much as Blunt Guts, but you wouldn't expect as much, but a very good rating for Wednesday. And Raw, on their third hour, uh, tanked. Absolutely tanked to its lowest, I believe, ever in the third hour of anyways. But you can't really, I, I mean, it's 4th of July, but at the same time, they're dumb ideas for 4th of July for like eating contests. And it's just, I, I feel bad mostly because Becky and Asuka had a heck of a match in that third hour. It's because Becky and Asuka are both awesome 
<laughs> but to have to have to put put that kind of a show with with those type with a hot dog eating contest on your back is a little insulting in some ways. But uh, that is that is the news portion of the show. Chris, tell them about HelloFresh. All right, people, we need to talk about HelloFresh. <laughs> with HelloFresh. You get farm fresh, more on farms in just a moment. Farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your house, or right, right to your house from or your doorstep at your house, your house doorstep. You, you've got a door at your house, and that's where the food comes. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. You will get farm fresh seasonal produce and easy to make recipes delivered right to your door every week. That's where your doorstep is. Um, it's all about convenience with HelloFresh. Not only do the ingredients come pre-portioned so that you're not overbuying or wasting food, but it's way easier than ever to get filling meals on the table with a snap like family-friendly or quick and easy recipes. Ingredients travel from the farm to your doorstep in under a week, so they always arrive fresh, all without a trip to the grocery store or the dreaded farmer's market. And let me just say <laughs> a word real Here quick. Go. Here we go. <laughs> about farmers. There are types of people in this society who bring down this society. Uh, you know, near-do-wells, derelicts, um, pushers, drug pushers, pill pushers, uh, and, and also farmers. And what a gift it would be to all of our lives if we no longer had to go to these mutants markets every week, right? If, if there was an option, if there was another way, grocery stores, okay, it's, it's mid, but the, the farmer's market, we all know how we feel about the farmer's market. Doesn't have to be that way anymore with HelloFresh ingredients travel fresh to your doorstep every week under a week um so we had the experience of hello fresh earlier this i would liberation from the farmer's market is how i describe that period of my life um i i, I it, it the only thing that maybe was happier is the first time i saw a kitten yuffie you know what i mean like, like when that food arrived i knew jeff that i was not going to the farmer's market that week because i had a bunch of options we had the uh, spaghetti with meat um that that was quite good the burger meat um we had the wonder burger options that that was quite tasty um and then you know you get a bunch of extra ingredients to try out so if you want to give hellofresh a try which you should you'll go to hellofresh.com vow16 use the code vow16 vow16 if you will um if you will and you'll get up to 16 free meals and three free gifts that is vow16 uh vow 16 if you will and you'll get 16 free meals and or yeah 16 free meals and three free gifts hello fresh america's number one meal ticket or meal kit stick it farmers <laughs> thank you chris uh with that we open up the lazy river of wrestling criticism whatever we watched during the week any thoughts on any show over the course of this week we can give I was a little in and out, but I did watch, uh, I got to watch most of AEW stuff. I got to watch uh, NXT's Great American Bash, watched some WWE as well. So we'll have plenty, plenty to talk about at least. Uh, starting off with some Money in the Bank ice cold takes. 
Liv Morgan is your SmackDown women's champion after winning the Money in the Bank women's ladder match. Coming in after Ronda's quote-unquote knee injury and uh, doing a roll-up. Not not exactly the strong uh, strong way to, to put over a champ, but the people no, like her. Every, everything about that stunk, right? Like, yes. like I, I mean, Liv Morgan. I like her. She's charismatic. Still needs to improve in the ring, in my opinion, to be a champion caliber stuff. I am tough on other people and just, you know, keeping it even handed here. It's not like Liv Morgan is razzle dazzling me. And I I would never have described Liz Morgan, Liv Morgan as being at a uh, championship level, Um, even though there, there's certain elements about her that definitely do have star quality about her. Um, I thought that her tipping the hand on the money in the bank, winning it, coming oh, out God. there. That, that's that the was... thing I was going to put, because I put that immediately. No, she came I mean, out bro, and she, there's so she many came things. out and couldn't control her emotions. I go, she's winning, and she's probably cashing in tonight and getting the title. Yep, and then she goes and she cashes in on a knee-injured Ronda Rousey. And <laughs> Ronda's reaction at the end of it was this like, wow, congratulations, you did a wonderful thing here, which makes no sense either with the Ronda Rousey that we all know, like IRL, who yes. this Ronda Rousey is is built around, nor does it make sense in the kayfabe world because what Liv is doing here is a heelish thing. She yes. is taking advantage of an injured champion after a match. It's not merely cashing in after a match. And I'm not saying that a baby face necessarily needs to announce that they're going to cash in up front. But it's one thing to cash in at the end of a match or insert yourself into a world title match and make it like a three-way or something like that. Those are all kind of consistent baby face things. Cashing in after a match when the person is injured is inherently heelish because you are trying to get them at their absolute weakest to make sure that the fight is as tilted in your advantage as possible yes it's within the confines of the rules but it's essentially using like a cheat card or in order to stretch the rules as much as possible like like it wouldn't be okay to beat up your opponent before the match and then have a title match and this is essentially like a weird loophole where that is acceptable so then like live wins on those pretenses, which make her look weak or heelish, but she's not trying to be presented as weak, and she's not trying to be presented as heelish. And Rhonda gets up and hugs Liv, and <laughs> I just like uh, that makes that there's no point in like Liv and Rhonda having like having this be the start of a feud. This could have been an interesting time to turn Rhonda. I I think it doesn't help Rhonda either because it's like okay. Rhonda is going to do what now? At least if she was a heel, she's trying to get her belt back. Now she's like a mid-card babyface? Is that really where she's Ronda... She's the baddest woman on the planet. And she's hugging. And when she lost to the UFC, she wasn't even, you know, magnanimous about it. It was always like, oh, she got lucky. <laughs> that kind of thing. Because we all know she she's has this short temper about such things. And the other thing that killed me was... The number, I mean, this is Liv Morgan's quote unquote big moment after this weak ass roll up that they gave her to win, win the title. And they keep cutting back to Rhonda slapping hands with the crowd as she's leaving <laughs> and interspersing that with Liv celebrating with the title. It was the most ridiculous 
Kevin Dunn type of directing that I've seen. No, it, 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 this is very important because as important as it is for the challenge or for the person winning the title to feel as though they've climbed a mountain, that this is a momentous occasion in their life. Like, uh, like imagine never having to go to the farmer's market again. Like, the tears that you would experience with something like that. Like, that's what winning the women's title should be like. The, this feeling, you know, it, it's so great. I, like, I finally accomplished something here. But the other side of that is that the person who lost the belt, it's like that they, they have now been forced to move to the farmer's market. Like, that this is... <laughs> This is this is pain. This is this is mis. Chris, you just utterly upset that they've lost the title. Otherwise, the person winning and their. Uh oh, Chris, we're losing you. Did you hit mute by chance? Gonna pause real quick till we get Chris's audio back. We're back. The farmers took over Chris's uh, internet for a second. Chris, you were yeah. Once about- again, Big Farm came <laughs> in and tried to sabotage Zoom on my end. Uh, uh, I, I- you were talking about the real life Rhonda and, and uh, vis-a-vis uh, the Liv Morgan stuff. Okay, so yeah, like real life Rhonda is someone who is bitter about losing and i I just think that it's very important in these presentations during a title change that it's got to be like climbing a mountain for the person who wins it um so Liv morgan is there she's crying she's really happy she's overjoyed and the person who loses the title either even if they hug them needs to be deflated upset with themselves like the the Graceful and defeat is still hurting that they've lost that like it's a wound that they're they're suffering or it needs to be not processed well that they've lost the title they don't go for the handshake that they roll out of the ring and they're bitter about it but we need to see the loser exhibit losing in order to make the winners winning feel meaningful or we need need the winner to have that moment to have that moment in the spotlight before the loser comes in and congratulates them. I don't mind the loser congratulating them, even if it is Rhonda, but this was, this was during the moment they were interspersing the Rhonda leaving and smacking hands and crap like that. Well, I, I care about the congratulations too, just in the sense that like after the congratulations, there needs to be deflation that you're okay, doing this to be yeah. graceful, but you're not doing this because you're thrilled to see a great yes. person become champion on this day. <laughs> well, I mean, they I th- and they did the cash in, I think, to 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 especially to quell the amount of booze they got over the men's money in the bank where, oh, Adam Pierce comes out and goes, hey, we're in Vegas. Let's up the stakes. And to up the stakes, they let in Theory, who just lost the U.S. title to Bobby Lashley. And Theory goes on to win the briefcase. Maybe this is, maybe this is just how my mind works, but when Adam Pierce said, let's up the stakes, I immediately started thinking about, Oh, you know, people do bet on this show and they bet on who the winner's going to be. And boy, wouldn't it be really useful information to know that there's going to be a mystery competitor being inserted into this match and that uh, none of the people who are actually. 
slated with, with good and you know strong odds are actually favored to win, then it's going to be a long shot. Uh, that would be really useful information to have in Vegas yes. when you up the stakes. Hmm. Especially because you have a partner. Do they have a partnership with DraftKings or is that just AEW? Yeah, uh, they do. No, they do. Like they, You can definitely DraftKings bet on WWE. Well, I know you can bet, but I don't know if they have an official partnership with WWE. I, think, I thought they did. I know AEW does. I don't think WWE does necessarily, but... The, but I mean, but you, you take that and then you also take the ending of that street. The Street Profits Usos match was really, really good. And then they ended it with Uso doing a pin with the shoulder up. And you have the Street Profits complaining and doing this. Look at the video. Oh, we were robbed. We were robbed being. Uh, and I'm just like, is that how? I, I just, I couldn't believe. I mean, the women's match was already a, a bit of a mess because uh, I mean, ladders and people sometimes don't, uh, don't mix. And that was especially true with, with a lot of Shotzi spots. God bless her. That's why she's in that match is to, is to basically cause damage to herself and others. But at the same time, and, and, and Lacey Evans took a hell of a power bomb off of the ladder from, from live. Let's give, give some ups to Lacey who I may bring up her 100th turn since, since coming up to the main roster in a bit, but uh yeah, but the, that Street Profits Uso's ending just, if you're going to split them, just split them. That, that, that was just, that just made them look stupid, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I agree. If you're going to split them, split them at this point. I, I, and it seems like they've just done too much damage to the on-screen cohesion of these guys that, like, get having them get back on track or something would make sense. Like, you, you just need to break them up now. And, and one last note, uh, this did not make air, but it did make the aftermath. Uh, on the aftermath of the men's money in the bank, Baron Corbin comes out, attacks Pat McAfee, who <laughs> the McMahons and McAfee later just go across the street to watch the uh, main card of the UFC. McAfee wearing a neck brace to sell it. Good on him. But uh, here's something in the Observer that I did not know because I knew that uh, I knew that Corbin had tried out for the NFL. and I, I thought he was only practice squad for the Arizona Cardinals, but it hasn't been brought up in the program yet. Kind of was on Friday, to be honest with you. Although it did surface this past week with rookie photos of both, but both Corbin, real name Tom Peastock, I think is how you say that, and McAfee were actually friends and roommates when both were rookies in 2009 for the Indianapolis Colts. McAfee noted that Corbin lived in his house for a few months. He was in Colts camp and did a lot of stuff off the field together. Did not know that. Did not know I think that they were friendly. I think this is interesting, and it would be a fun narrative revisitation of like the original Baron Corbin. You know, I'm this just like incredible winner. I was really good at football. I don't need to be wrestling any of these wrestling guys because I was at competitor in real <laughs> sports. gloves, and all that other stuff. McAfee can come in. Yes, yeah, so right. And McAfee can kind of come in and go and pour the water on that and go. Yeah, I know. I saw you play. That's Mac feet talk uh, your turn, sir, on the lazy river. All right, let's talk about, I guess, the thing that stood out to me the most this week or that I feel like I have the most contrarian opinion on, which is Christian Cage and okay. his, his promos. Uh, I it, there just seems to be like a real gulf between the widely. The, these are amazing promos like reception that Christian Cage is getting and my reaction to them, which is 
oh, this is like kind of a WWE sort of thing that he is doing. I thought I will, that the- I will pause you for a second. You're not as contrarian as you think. Let's put it that way. I know there's a lot of people who like these, but there's a lot of people in the uh, in the uh critics world who i think are in agreement with you more than you think to be honest oh okay uh, i then I, I guess I'm, I'm just like less privy to the, i i i what no, i know that's cool that's been, cool i want to hear you know, largely what i've been seeing has been like positive reception like on my okay. twitter feed or whatever so like like i was just like huh i come in on this i guess differently than uh what i have been generally been reading or seeing um but my my thought is that like a lot of this stuff is low hanging fruit or easy to press buttons. Uh, and I'll go further on the Jeff Hardy stuff this week. The Jeff Hardy stuff, if it was merely like the low hanging fruit, easy to press button sort of thing, that would be one level of reaction to it. I had a different, more visceral reaction to it, which is that at this point, the cat is out of the bag that Jeffrey Nero Hardy has really serious problems when it comes to his abuse of alcohol and the way that his abuse of alcohol manifests in the real world, putting other people at risk. I worry about this guy's health long term. I worry about the health of others um, when Jeff gets this way. Uh, and I worry as well when I see Christian and Matt kind of out there making light of it to some degree. And also the audience's reaction, because you know, I'll, I'll lump them in here. I, I think the reaction to Christian saying what he said about Jeff Hardy should have been something like, too far, clap, clap, too far, clap, clap, rather than like, a-hole to play along with the the actual segment i i i think that's one where the crowd has you know a right um if not a responsibility at least a right or the privilege to go like yeah you know what uh we're willing to do a lot of real world stuff but like a thing that actually involves people dying is not actually an angle that we need to encourage or, or like sanction or condone so Maybe I'm a square, but I, I again, I still don't think drinking and driving is cool this week. So, like, I, I, I don't like how the bit sort of made light of that. And then, like, I don't know, Matt Hardy's never all that interesting to me. Uh, he hasn't been interesting to me in a real long time, completely independent of, like, the Jeff Hardy stuff here. He's, like, not an interesting match. Um, I'm not, like, eager to see Matt Hardy and Christian, though I don't think we are. I think we're going to see Matt Hardy and Luchasaurus, and I don't think that's going to be anything special. I think we basically saw what Matt Hardy and Luchasaurus is going to look like. It's going to be, like, a slightly longer-form version of that. And Matt Hardy, for his part, the Michael Jordan of assholes, was it? Or the Michael Jordan of being a dick? Uh, it was a killer burn. I want to make sure I get it right. <laughs> I think that's what it was, but... Um... Let me ask you if I'm taking it too far in my visceral reaction to this, because I, I like you, I'm, I'm, I understand what they're doing. I think for what they're doing, it, it's, it's a good quote unquote job of it, but I agree with you in the WWE-ness of it all. I am of the position that I don't want Jeff Hardy mentioned at all on this program because I don't want him used for sympathy at all in this program. I am that mad at the whole drunk driving thing. 
Um, yeah, he's as unsympathetic as a figure as Jericho is for me. Yeah, at this and I'm point. not sure. Different ways. Well, I'm not sure if if my thing of well, you know, when the WWE just eliminates you from existence type of thing, I get using him for heat, but at the same time, you still are making Jeff Hardy the the onus of this angle in some ways by bringing this up week after week after week, as opposed to making Matt Hardy the onus of this angle. Uh, so to speak, it's Matt's oh, relationship. I'll get I'll get more square, Jeff. Okay. You are giving Jeff Hardy publicity. Yes. Right now. And and I think that that in and of itself is not defensible because the man does not deserve positive publicity in any way, shape, or That's form. That's what I'm and, getting at. And yes, getting mentioned on TV is definitely giving you positive publicity. Uh, it is it is improving your name value. It's not hurting it, especially not this presentation of it, to get sympathy. Uh, no, I don't think Jeff Hardy should be the recipient of any sort of sympathy right now. So, like, I guess maybe that outshadowed the performance of Christian this week. Uh, but, like, that was also the substance of it. I, Christian, for his part, I've always thought it's a great promo. I love Christian. Like, Christian, like, he's 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 a great talker, man. Um, like, my issue here is, with, with his performance is not that he is not going to be a good heel. It's that, like, the content of this stuff has been pretty weak at least in my estimation and i and i i've just been the i if, if what you're saying if it, there's like kind of a bifurcation of this i'm fascinated by the bifurcation of it um and, and, and as i was in what was my perceived sort of like gulf from the more widely what i thought was the more widely held position of like this is uh, you know like he's doing the best work of his life right now let me let me do some quick hits of things i really really liked before we go into more uh in-depth critical type of things, not necessarily negative, but critical type of things, things I really like. Uh, speaking of Baron Corbin, I absolutely adored his over-the-top obnoxious imitation of Pat McAfee dancing to Nakamura's music on SmackDown this week. It brought me such joy. Uh, Corbin has this weird anti-charisma, and I don't understand it because he's likable, but he is such a bad actor that whenever he tries to do something, it's ridiculous. But I loved everything about this. Uh, a, a few more things I really liked. Uh, I, I love the Hikaru Shida, Yuka Sakazaki tag team. I, I'm Yuka Sakazaki can come on my screen at any time and uh, bring me joy with how ridiculous she is and how uh, how much joy she gets in professional wrestling. Um, loved the Becky Asuka match on Raw because those two are just phenomenal performers and. I'm hoping this is course correction and I am loving every minute of it. Jonathan Gresham on rampage turning heel and joining Tully Blanchard enterprises is a plus over say Brian cage, which I thought was the original plan of having cage versus Gresham on the pay-per-view. I am here for Jonathan Gresham as ROH world champion being managed by one Tully Blanchard. Fantastic hits all. I, I don't have any. I don't have any debates on those or anything. So okay. uh, yeah, let's uh, let's move to like the Great American Bash here. Over okay. Because I feel like we are always unrelentingly negative on NXT multicolored vomit, and I do think that there are good things in the multicolored vomit era. And I just want to like mention some of those, even though I will. I, think I will mention some as well uh, pertaining to Great American Bash, but please. Go on. Yeah. So like the Creed brothers, these guys are great. Like mm-hmm. the, 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 they're, they're an extremely entertaining act. Uh, they, they are progressing really nicely. They have good charisma. Like you, both of them 
are impressive in their own ways and both have like good charisma that is unique and distinct in and of themselves. Brutus doing that backflip, pretty impressive uh, for a guy. Yeah, a guy built like he is. Also impressive, Carmelo Hayes. Uh, I, I feel like we we it's not like we've been negative on this guy, but like Carmelo Hayes is very good, uh, and I and I feel like it's it's really underappreciated, just like how complete of a character and a presentation and an in in ring performer Hayes. It's is. It's going to be underappreciated because of his size, and I don't think he gets anywhere on this main roster, which is sad, because he's doing a great. And they even bring it up. He's doing an Allen Iverson gimmick. Yes, he is. And, it, yeah. and it's pretty, I mean, it's, it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit of MVP originally a little bit, but it's, he's, he and trick are both very, very good in their own ways. I think. Yes, he does. Trick he's in clearly, in, he, no, he, Carmel is clearly infusing AI into his personality, which yeah. is not unlike what happened. when undersized. Has a no, chip the, on his the, shoulder. It, it reminds me a lot of the Denver Nuggets when uh, yes. Allen Iverson joined Carmelo Anthony. Uh, yeah. and, and there was an infusion of Allen Iverson's personality to Carmelo Anthony. Uh, that was my joke. Anyways, um, no, right. I, I like that Like Hayes can infuse various basketball personas into his character. He doesn't have to stay committed to any of them. But like bringing in a little bit of the AI thing, I think it's great. I think AI is like a really natural fit for a pro wrestling character to sort of like be inspired by um you know practice you know all that stuff um like yeah that's great um braun breaker is, is a solid hand um the, the braun breaker cameron grimes match i think is the first time though that i've ever heard dueling chance of this is awesome it's okay um <laughs> and, and, and like what what i mean again when we talk about the difference between multicolored vomit era and NXT gold and black era, th that is, that sort of statement is just like impossible. Everyone would have had so much respect for what was going on in the ring and, and felt like they had been their intelligence had been respected so thoroughly throughout the show that it never would occur to them to be sort of like, you know, taking a leak on the main event. Um, and, and I thought that was an interesting testimony, um, to, to where we're at, um, outside of that, um, oh, uh, you know, um, JC Jane, we, I mean, we it's have mentioned great. her, we've mentioned her before, but God, like she's once again was just fantastic. And yes. then this, uh, this belt transfer match, um, I like JC Jane was doing all the work. She's a fantastic worker. Um, I, this is another person who I, I don't know that they'll get it, but like, I mean, dude, she's really good. Um, uh, and I, and I feel like. Her, Carmelo Hayes, the Creed brothers, the, there are a number of very talented people on this show that, yeah, like we're down on the show. Yeah, we're down on the brand. Um, I, I think we need to recognize that these are very good players on a bad team right now. Yeah, let me, let me because uh, uh, not all my thunder, but JC Jane in this toxic attraction thing finally has matched the character stuff as well to it. And she just is fantastic doing that. She carried other other than Roxy, who is also just killing it. Yeah, Roxanne Perez in this in this uh, in this phase of her career. JC Jane really uh, taking the bumps, taking you know she she's the workhorse of that team, and she's matched it to the character stuff. Like the one finger clapping last week. Just fantastic stuff. Uh, other people, I'm gonna I'm gonna mention as well. I think both Wendy Chu and um, uh, Daddy's girl. What's her name? Um, Tiffany Stratton. Tiffany Stratton have their character. Tiffany Stratton has some great 
uh, physicality and she has some athletic talent, but she, I mean, she's still green in the ring, but she has that character down. Wendy Chu is of course, you know, she's one of my personal favorites. I loved, I love the bit where she's sitting in the chair that she in the throne that she used to do as the other character, <laughs> just smiling. She is a character who, if they brought up to the main roster, would get that. She'd get the Orange Cassidy stuff on the main roster, and she'd get over. And Vince would absolutely hate it for getting over. And I don't understand that because that's the whole point of her act is to be the comedy character that gets over, and they'd hate her for it if she did. But I do love her. I do. She's she she's right. And and again, underappreciated maybe because he is so good at this kind of stuff, but also very good in the ring. Even though he does get a little repetitive at times, Grayson Waller as a heel is is magnificent. Um, Grayson as, Waller is really good because you never like him. He 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 he's is what they want Austin Theory to be. Right. Like, Right, right. Uh, no, I, I just, it, it's, he's what they want Austin Theory to be. He is really good at just working, even when he's impressive, always being obnoxious. Yes. Always obnoxious. You just, you don't want to see this guy succeed in any way, shape, or form. And like, that's a, that's a real testament to his performance. Uh, when I think about Tiffany Stratton, like when I was watching her work, um, a thing that came to mind that like I remember kind of thinking about with Tyler Breeze's character years ago when he was in NXT Black and Gold um, is that like, all right, this is going to be a reference for you like Super Nintendo nerds. There's this character on Super Punch-Out whose, whose character's name is Narciss Prince. He is this pretty boy boxer. And the whole gimmick of that match is that what Narciss Prince has this like restrained sort of like controlled you know approach to his boxing style right up until you punch Narciss in the face um because Narciss loves his pretty pretty face and, and at that point Narciss becomes very mean very aggressive um and the fight changes um and I think that Tiffany Stratton would would absolutely benefit especially with like you know the daddy's little rich girl you know my beautiful face and all of that sort of thing I think anytime she gets hit in the face, that's when she goes nuclear on people. But that's when we see maximum meanness and maximum cruelness out of Tiffany Stratton. I, that would, I would be that would be my gimmick. I would like her to adjust her gear to something more athletic because my problem is the daddy's little girl gimmick when she's calling for daddy. Given the news, I always think of daddy as Vince, which makes it a little creepy. Maybe that's just me. But I'd like I'd like to tone down. You know, I hadn't taken it there, Jeff, but now I will have no choice but I know, to every and time I'm I hear sorry. It. Yeah, I'm sorry I did okay. that, but, uh, but right. it was one of those things it's where done. it was just like, I can't get that out of my head, and I kind of want that out of my head, so I uh, I do apologize. So I, I, can't, I can't explain this to you enough times. Explaining a horrible thing to me will not get it out of your head, no matter how many different times in our lives you do this. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, what did you think of... Uh, Oh, I forgot one thing on our news. Uh, Ilya Dragunov had to give up the UK title, which is interesting because they've just decided to bring over the former Jordan Devlin. Now, JD McDonough, is that the name that they gave him? Yeah, and that was the big debut at the end of uh, the pay-per-view here. Like the big surprise is here comes JD McDonough, the necessary evil. Uh, I, I <laughs> He, of course, uh, some some of the speaking out uh, allegations revolved around him, so I'm guessing that's why the name changed there. Uh, oh, I hadn't thought about that because I was like, 
Man, J.D. McDonough is a really lousy downgrade of a name from Jordan Devlin. Which, like Jordan Irish Devlin ace, actually yeah. feels like yeah, the Irish ace actually feels like somebody who could credibly come in, beat Braun Breaker in an upset, and especially having been NXT UK champion, and like everyone hates it. Um, whereas J.D. McDonough has no name recognition and no, like, like even in the video clips, I didn't, see a lot of him as uk champion it's like they they showed him doing impactful stuff but part of this name change is sort of this necessary erasure of him as the champion which i i think really hurts the insertion of him into the main event picture i think we'll end with this and uh i wanted to bring this up uh the matt menard promo uh post blood and guts getting a lot of praise and and i agree that it's worthy of praise i will not say it's one of the greatest promos ever but i really liked it and my host on the uh, dynamite show had a differing point of view mostly from the point of view was well this is a mid-card guy you know what what use is this going to do him if he's always going to be a comedy figure so to speak and and my my argument was, well, you never get the chance to be anything more than you are unless you take that next step and show you can take this next step. Now, to me, there were some negatives about this promo. Let me let me get the positives out of the way first. I liked the pathos of it. I liked the, you know, I'm missing my kids' first steps because I'm loyal to Jericho, who was the only person who was ever loyal to me. I love the, the uh, Hyman Roth from Godfather 2, this is the life we chose type of speech where you know you're the villain. And this is this is the pathway you've chosen, and so there are sacrifices I- involved in that. Uh, the things I did not like about the promo, I did not like the overproduction and the music of it. I thought it was a little too John Williams slash uh, Steven Spielberg type of esque, where it's like this is really dramatic, and this is what we're going to do about this. The other thing I would have liked, and this is just a style choice. This is just if I. And if he came to me as a producer and said, I want to do this promo, uh, this is the note I would have given him after he did this promo. We've seen the Matt Menard loud promo because he's always loud and obnoxious. If he had done this as a quiet promo that was building and maybe then snaps when he gets angry about his kid, we would have been a lot more oh, on the edge of our seat going, what is this? Because this is different right now. And I think that's what was missing just a little bit. I have no problem with mid-card guys trying things to because, look, that's what the whole business was built on originally was, hey, let's put, put the kids out there, give them 60 to 90 seconds and see what they can do to get themselves over, so to speak. I mean, like Stone Cold Steve Austin doesn't become Stone Cold Steve Austin with the Austin 316 promo uh, unless he takes that risk. He, the last three pay-per-views, uh, before that, he was up against Savio Vega, and he had lost two of those matches. So everybody's saying, oh, Steve Austin was going to be a star from the beginning, blah, 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 blah. No, not true, guys. He took a risk, and he got over with a catchphrase, and then they strapped the ro- rocket to him. Otherwise, he'd be wearing a crown and be King Mabel. Otherwise, I like giving 2.0 a more serious bent versus just the wacky fun time guys type of thing. I just hope they follow up on Chris. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think you nailed a lot of how I feel on the substance of the promo. I, I, I 
did not view it as, as some did like an inadvertent babyface promo. I, I actually thought it was kind of genius on the, it, it feels sympathetic. Like you want to feel for this guy, but then you go like, dude, you chose to like not yes. be at the you know, birth of your son so that you could go and stand up for Chris Jericho. Like, you, you know, you told your wife, hold on, honey. So you can go and stand up for Chris Jericho. Like, like this is a guy who fundamentally you don't want like this character. You don't want to root for them. Like you want the best for his kid. You, you but like you want better for his kid uh, than to have this kind of like dad who thinks that he's making the noble sacrifice right now. And that like, he's doing the best he can. And like that, that's so great. But I'm with you on the, the music I thought was a bit much. It, it, he could have just done it. And I think that like you didn't need the music and the heavy editing to make this one work. Um, I, I think this would have worked just fine if he is walking around afterwards. He's almost having doubts in himself, and then he delivers all of that stuff. He also has a little bit of WWE going on in there. Like like if you watch Becky Lynch when she's uh, contemplating and frustrated, she does the. I made fun of this before, but kind of the Jeff Goldblum thing where she grabs her chin, she grabs her head, and she puts her finger on her nose like she's thinking and going, hmm, type of thing. Menard was doing a little bit of the, oh my God, I'm so conflicted right now and angry type of thing in there. And I would have, I would have tampered that down a little bit. Uh, I do like the angle of we took away the thing that Eddie Kingston wanted most in this match. We took away the ability for him to tap tap out Jericho as if it was a noble thing for Menard to then tap out as if he's almost self-rationalizing to himself that he lost the match. I did dig that kind of angle to it. I liked that too. I liked like, I, I, I like that maybe, you know, maybe he even tried to sell his tapping out to Jericho yes. as I took the bullet for you, boss. Yes. Uh, yeah. You know, like, no, I, I thought it was, kind of there's a lot of actually very good to great twisted heel logic going on in this promo and, that, even, and that, even from the beginning where he's like what was blood and or what was uh what was uh uh what did they call the match uh uh anarchy in the arena that's what it was what was it all for if we then just did this blood and guts match type of thing i liked that kind of thing too but i'm loyal to chris because he was the only guy who gave me a chance. There's a lot of nice little heel logic in here that I really dug that never gives up to the baby face type of thing. Yes, right. It never, at no point, at least for me, did Menard's character ever achieve anything baby facey. If anything, it, it was the gloriousness of almost seeing the light and then turning back into the shadows. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, and I love, I, I do love that kind of character. Arc. I like that character in like mafia and criminal movies where it's like, oh, here's the guy who's going to turn babyface eventually. And then he thinks about it for a moment. And no, I'm just resigned to my fate here being a bad guy. I really do like those types of stories. Yes. No, I, I mean, it like it, it's it's character failure, right? Like, like, yeah. like, like essentially like there, there is still like in every bad person there's still like a spark of good or whatever it's just that like the good has been outweighed by the bad and yeah. like it it can't take back over yeah it's like oh i could be a good guy right now but you know what <laughs> I've, this is what led me here guys I'm, i have a moral failing i have to continue in this moral failing 
until the end of my string. And you know, that, I mean, my favorite movie in the world is the wild bunch. And that movie is a bunch of, about a bunch of old outlaws who time has come for them and they're fighting it. And eventually they just resign themselves to this is the end of the line. Let's go do this for the, let's, let's try and be honorable in the most dishonorable way we can right now. And, and it's, it's such a great, awesome movie, but uh, yeah. Anything else from you in the uh, lazy river that you really wanted to get to? Um, I, let me, I'm just like looking through other things that happened on dynamite. The, Oh, okay. Okay. The swerve Strickland petition thing. <laughs> what is this? Oh, come crap? on. It, it's, oh, it's, come it's, on. it's stupid, but let me, let me explain. It, no, but it's, it's stupid, but it's also not good, Jeff. And I can do stupid. That is funny. I, I, oh, we God. like Ezekiel on the show. I will, I will. <laughs> I, I am here for Elrod. Elrod might be my third favorite wrestler right now. L- let me let me argue in, in in defense of this stupid thing because it is stupid. But Sterling is taking a totally non-legal position. He's not using any legal type of motion to get Swerve Strickland fired. He's passing around a petition of some sort. And the abject stupidity of this, and God bless Tony Nese for being part of this, is that he's now gone to everybody in the company and there's only one guy left. He has not asked to sign this petition and it is orange Cassidy of all people. So the match stipulation is you now have to sign this to give this dumb petition, which has no weight or any legal bearing whatsoever on it. You have to sign this if you, if you lose. And then here comes Dan Housen doing a Marx Brothers slash duck season, rabbit season type of gimmick where I'm an attorney too. look at me, even though this thing has no legal bearing on it. It is completely and unrepentantly stupid and it works itself out in the end, even though Swerve Strickland is kind of an afterthought in this whole thing. I yeah, I still, I still, I understand the joke. I, 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 I. <laughs> I, I get it. Um, I didn't find Dan Housen to be funny for his part. Okay. Yeah. No. I. I. This. This sucks, Jeff. Like this was not. I good. thought it sucked, and then I came around on it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I would, li- I would like to come around on it. Now, here's, be- where, here's the moment I came around on. I came around on it because when they first introduced it, I thought it was stupid, and then when they go. Well, I've gone to everybody in AEW except you, Orange Cassidy. I went, oh my god, this this is so stupid. It's great now. Yeah. <laughs> All right, fine. Yeah, we'll, no. We'll, we'll can't get there, dog. <laughs> so, so I can't convince you. I can't convince you to take the ride with me on this one, even though it's just. Uh, this is going to be a solo mission, my my All dear right, good friend Jeffrey. That's fine. I mean, they they did the. <laughs> they're finally doing ball shots that are good again in the ring, at least with the straightforward punch as opposed to the. Ric Flair hook shot up the middle. I, I'm kind of enjoying that, but okay. Look, it was a one week story. It'll probably be done now. I'm I'm fine with that. Oh, I'll tell you what I liked. I liked uh, I liked the uh, that first match on on Dynamite. Let let's let's agree on something. Hopefully, uh, Scorpio Sky still being injured and doing virtually nothing in this match, while uh, while also at the same time not taking the worst loss in the world, but getting absolutely destroyed by Wardlow to take the TNT title. I, I liked that a lot. Yeah, I thought this is a very clever usage yes. of an injured performer. And, and and so like 
it, there were things I didn't like about it, but I I was definitely grading on a serious curve because I'm like, yeah, but you got to remember, Sky's injured, so they have to like smoke and mirrors this thing pretty hard. So mm -hmm. if you don't love the smoke and the mirrors, you got to remember, like, hats off to Scorpio Sky for being game to go out there and do this. I thought that it was a completely, you know, completely serviceable belt transfer to Wardlow. Um, he'll be able to go on from here and like, like there's in no way to this, like, was this a bad launch? You know what I mean? Like, or, you know, yeah, it, 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 maybe it could have been better. It would have been dope to have like sky, you know, be fully healthy and be able to you know, have like a, have Wardlow have his first real challenge. Like, 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 because sky having a really competitive showing against Wardlow and Wardlow really being challenged by sky would, would actually mean something for sky in the loss too. Um, and people want to see Sky do something more. So that would have been cool, but that wasn't even an option right now. So I, I thought that given what they had to work with, they, they actually were quite clever here, um, which I guess counterbalances out the Mark Sterling stuff. I'm going to call it here because I actually had to go take a nap, Chris. I'm very tired right now. Okay. Uh, call this. this is Shake Them Ropes. I have been at Crap Game 13. He is at DWATG. Twitter's still going at this time. We'd like to thank our sponsor, HelloFresh. Use the code VOW16. Get up to 16 free meals and three free gifts when you order. Chris likes to call it VOW16, just to tick off the farmers. Uh, you can just follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. We are part of the Voices of Wrestling Network. I do a show called The Dynamite Show over on Fight Game Media every Wednesday with one Paul Ace Fontaine. That is at patreon.com slash fightgamemedia for five bucks a month. Uh, if you don't get your fill of free radio shows, please feel free to subscribe to us. Chris also has a Patreon, which he's been using my health to talk about all this time, but I will now gracefully give him another chance to plug it here. Once you helped make it a gimmick, Jeff, I wasn't going to pass up the opportunity. I feel like you would have been disappointed if I did. So believe it or not, at DWATG does not stand for at Dwatka. It stands for Don't Worry About the Government, which you can find at iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify, and of course, over at patreon.com slash DWATG. A buck a show is all we ask at the video versions and extra sods. Um, I actually take an extra episode this week for Patreon subscribers. So if you go over there and sub up, you can get it for as low as a dollar a show. That's all I got. Stick it to the farmers. Yeah, DWATG really stands for Don't We All Think Wardlow's Great? <laughs> <laughs>